You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, it's a bonus episode. CBS Sports Radio basketball insider, one of my favorites, Bill Ryder. Bill, he's about as connected as anyone in the NBA. And he is here to break down Kevin Durant's debut with the Suns, RIP Kevin Durant for the rest of the season, and the deep dive story he wrote about the dysfunction with the Atlanta Hawks. The interview was conducted on BetMGM Tonight, my other betting show. Get right to it, Nick. Let's drop that generic-ass beat. We start the interview by asking Bill his assessment of the Phoenix Suns now that Kevin Durant is playing on this team. He had some great insight into KD and what impact he's going to have on the Suns moving forward this year and beyond. Yeah, hey guys, great to be on. I'm 100% with you, and I'm normally very reluctant to buy into the hype that major additions, right, superstars going somewhere are going to automatically click at any point early in that process, let alone in February, March, this deep, right, three-quarters of the way into a season. But I saw the same thing that you saw, and certainly the same thing that at least three GMs that I texted saw who didn't love it since they are not they were not the uh, Phoenix Suns GMs. You're right, instant chemistry. He looked like he had absolutely zero rust, which made sense. I had heard they were going to wait to bring him back until he was physically able just in terms of the injury. And everything that we thought Kevin Durant would do, make life easier for Dan Booker, make it not matter if Chris Paul has an off night, and and CP3 certainly did, at least from a shooting perspective, make DeAndre Ayton a guy that can just do the dirty stuff and not have to be even the third most important player on the floor, and just be Kevin Durant. If he can fit in, it all went perfectly according to plan if you're the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, you know, Bill, I was thinking about Ayton because – Obviously, there was a lot of drama in the offseason about whether they wanted to pay him, and then they kind of felt like they were forced into it because of the way that you know, the Indiana Pacers offer sheet works, right? And couldn't, couldn't do a sign-in trade at that point. But I, I think, actually, the biggest beneficiary might be Aiton. Uh, how basketball-wise do you think KD helps DeAndre Aiton and, and increases or accentuates his value to the team? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it's significant. I think you hit on something really important, and maybe – Maybe the only thing that can stop the Suns, certainly in the Western Conference, and that is some of the chemistry issues or or problematic potential chemistry issues that are percolating beneath the surface. And one of them is certainly that DeAndre Ayton, you're right, didn't want to be in Phoenix. He wanted to have a bigger role somewhere else. He now has a lesser role just by the nature of Kevin Durant coming in. But what I saw is what what you're asking about, what you're talking about, which is DeAndre Ayton is going to get some of the easiest buckets of his basketball life, of his basketball career. Buckets are going to be easy for Devin Booker. They're going to be easier for Chris Paul when he decides to shoot. If he can figure out how to shoot again. But you saw DeAndre Ayton get, I don't even remember what he had, 16, 18, easy points, a ton of rebounds, great energy. I think he understands. And I don't, I don't know DeAndre at all, but people that know him tell me he is a guy that if he's in a good situation, 
he's happy to just do the dirty work, play defense, rebound, wait for his turn to win. And I think every member of that Suns team up and down, they understand, and you saw with the chemistry that we were talking about, Kevin Durant's there. They're all going to have chances to win a championship and be better. And I thought Aiton looked so seamless and so comfortable, not for the first time this year, but in a way that is not necessarily the norm for him on that team. We followed up his son's talk with a quick follow-up and whether the lack of depth would be an issue moving forward. I don't think in the postseason. I, I, think, I think it could. So let's say that they were in the position the Lakers are in or any of the teams right now that, that have championship hopes or aspirations but are on the wrong side of the play-in or at least going to probably be in the play-in. Then it would. But Phoenix is probably going to be, what, they're probably locked in at three or four, right? They're probably not going to rise up to one or two unless it's a collapse above them from Memphis or Denver. And that means we sort of, I think, look through the prism of what they're going to be in the playoffs. And in the postseason, for the most part, rotations are going to shorten. You're going to cut off you guys maybe minutes that they get in the regular season. They're not going to get. You're going to have more of a chess match because you're playing the same team at least four times, maybe seven times per series. So I actually think the advantage, at least my view of this in the playoffs, is talent three, right, top two or three guys, and then depth to maybe six, seven, really significant. I think we've seen that from the Warriors over the years. And the Suns are the best four-man group in the NBA. They're the best three-man, I think, group in the NBA. Well, I don't buy this. There are certainly people who do this for a living, who actually run teams, who think they might have the best two-man group in the NBA, depending on how you assess Devin Booker. So I actually think their postseason opportunities, just how this fits, is going to be really beneficial for them. The main reason, though, I wanted to talk to Bill was this in-depth interview and article that he did on the dysfunction of the Atlanta Hawks. He breaks it all down as clearly as you're ever going to find, plain spoken, about why the Hawks have a Trey Young problem. It really is. And I, I laugh when you guys brought me on and said that you agree with what I wrote, because that means you don't work for the Atlanta Hawks, because they did not <laughs> love that story. Uh, I would argue in large part because it, it's very true. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. Like, I, I've known Quinn for a long time, all the way back to when he was at my mater, the University of Missouri in college. And I don't know him like we're buddies, but I've just I've followed and covered his career. I think, and people in the NBA more important, think very highly of him on a lot of levels. And one of the things you'll hear is his ability to really connect with players and, and not in, a, in an authentic way, in a real way. So I think that's goal number one. There is a fractured locker room. Trey Young does not get along with many of the people in that locker room. There is frustration toward Trey Young. And you've seen the excellent reporting that's come out of the Athletic and the local newspaper, the Atlanta Constitution, about Trey getting on a plane and, and not flying over this team after a playoff game with the Heat, which is utterly unacceptable, to say the least, in the NBA, among other things other places have reported. So this isn't a secret. What I think is interesting is sort of what's new in, in the column that I wrote is that Quinn Snyder is going to try to reach him, right, reach Trey Young, connect with Trey Young, get Trey Young to maybe just think that defense exists as a concept and engage in a better way at the locker room. But it's also been suggested to me by people in the know that Quinn Snyder wants a loud voice in that organization, that part of the reason he's not in Utah, he really liked Andy Ainge, who took over basketball ops, but Quinn Snyder wants to have one of the loudest voices there. And there's some political – it's an interesting political scenario – in Atlanta, where Quinn Snyder can do that. I think it's part of the reason he showed up early with the, the wrestler family who owns the team. And I think Quinn expects to be able to be one of the prominent voices in the front office, even though he's the head coach. And I think there's certainly a scenario where he has now, it's less than this now, but when he started 21 games to look at Trey Young, to evaluate Trey Young, to try to reach Trey Young, try to fix the culture. And if he can't, use that voice that he wants to potentially, right, potentially push for, for a reality where you move on from the guy if you don't think it's going to work. Bill, uh, the thing that I don't understand, and that was why reading your article was so refreshing, because I feel like I've been, as an NBA fan, but also a media member, being gaslit around 
what's going on with Atlanta. This is weird. Like, this organizational structure, you mentioned Game of Thrones. That's when I said, yes, this guy and I <laughs> are going to be friends. <laughs> because the the Nick Wrestler, Landry Fields, Kyle Korver, so many random voices in the room. A former Golden State Warriors beat reporter in the mix as an assistant GM. Like, can you put this into context about... Because nepotism is normal sure. in any yeah. structure, especially in the NBA. But this feels very abnormal and do you think that this is like a fixable culture because it's kind of just starting this way where it's feels toxic it's very bizarre uh, there are certainly people and you can guess what city they emanate from it has great sweet tea and it's wonderful and it's warm a lot of the time who would argue it's going to work out people in Atlanta would argue that but th th so here's a yeah here's a clip notes version Tony wrestler owns the team he's a billionaire uh, his son Nick wrestler is a 20 year old who isn't just involved he is involved in front office operations. He is, I understand it, and really reporting from other, other outlets have really laid this out in a very impressive way, is around and making decisions. And not that long ago, they gave Travis Schlank, who's technically still, I believe, their, their president of basketball operations, a big extension. Sources tell me he paid him a bunch of money, gave him a raise, guaranteed that money. And then, what, a year later, they shoved him aside because his deputy, Landry Fields, not accusing Landry of anything, but Landry got along better with the 27-year-old son of the owner, right? The owner's kid walking around the building wanting certain things, wanting different things. All of a sudden, Travis Schlank, who came from the Warriors, credit with scouting, for example, Draymond Green, very well respected in the league. Mm. I don't know what he's doing, but he's on an island or his house, or maybe he moved, but he's collecting the paycheck, not doing anything right now, as I understand it. Landry Field is elevated to GM, that's, and that's a former player who's well-regarded, but hasn't been doing this for a long time. Kyle Korver, who gets along really well with young Nick Wrestler, just got promoted to assistant GM. You noted there's a bunch of characters in the mix, and as I understand it, the Wrestler family, and it's their, it's, their, it's their team, Tony Wrestler, the dad, is desperate to win and not patient in his ambition. I get that as a fan, if you were a fan of that team, you'd love it. His son, Nick Wrestler, thinks he knows I don't know about best, but certainly isn't has a view that's important. I can't speak to whether Nick Wrestler is really great at running a front office or he's some rich guy's kid who shouldn't be there. Time will tell. But it certainly led to some massive changes, and as I understand it, and it's in the column, Quinn Snyder went early to this job, sort of parachuted in a few days ago, in part because he understands the political dynamic. And what you want to do is if you're going to be a member of the Atlanta Hawks, let alone the head coach, you want to get in, woo the wrestler family, get to know 27-year-old Nick Wrestler, and make sure he's listening to you because I think the political situation there is very much in flux. Is Quinn Snyder kind of like a Littlefinger character in this <laughs> in this scenario? I mean, look, I, this gets me in trouble, but whatever, I like this <laughs> stuff. Like, I, I just tell the truth, or I try to, right? We all get stuff wrong. Um, and people get really, really angry with me. And I can tell you stories for hours about, about LeBron James hating me back in the day. But as, as I, here's my view of Quinn. I think he's a really good coach. I like him personally. He's incredibly charming. I think it's a great hire. But I do think that there's a, per, a part of Quinn Snyder's Denimer charm, approach, ambition that some people would call a two faces wrong. But he's an ambitious, charming guy, right? Like, it's like when you go to a, Manipulative. a car dealership. Yeah, like, oh, I don't want to buy this car. Now I'm driving a Prius and I got to explain it to my wife. He's that guy. Not in a bad way. It's his job. And I actually think highly of the guy. But yes, I, I, little, I mean, that is a, I would say it in a nicer way. But if we're going, you know, Game of Thrones here, he might be a little bit, you know, maybe he won't get slaughtered up in the north, right? When he finally, like, his, ruck, his luck runs out. But if it's succession, he's definitely one of those kids, and you're rooting for him, but you got to be careful with him a little bit, too. Finally, 
I asked Bill how much the Hawks miss Kevin Herter and what he sees for them the rest of the year. I think it's I, it had not worked out clearly. And I, and to be fair, I thought it was an amazing move. So what do I know, right? Like, it's, it, this stuff is hard, and it hasn't helped. But I do think the issues with Trey Young run deeper. They, I know they run deeper. And I think that bringing in Murray, they I know that they hoped that that would be a wake-up call for Trey, a motivation for Trey, you know, disguised as or, or maybe, you know, equal parts here's some help and it obviously hasn't gone that direction so yes I think there's been some bad decision making that went on in the front office when, when Travis Schlenk was still in charge probably part of the reason he's not there right probably part of the reason despite his contract situation I also think Trey Young's a problem and just talking to folks in that organization outside of it it is understood that that he has not been a leader that there have been problems people change people grow can't judge a person based on one season or a couple seasons but all is not well in Atlanta and, and Trey Young is, is a part of the reason yeah I think it's bonus time if they can make the playoffs, make the play, and make a run. They certainly did that a few years ago when they made that crazy run to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think the main goal is for Quinn Snyder to be able to assess his basketball team that he's going to be at for four years after this, to assess Trey Young, to try and fix some of the cultural problems, to, to navigate the politics that we discussed, and to really hit the ground running next year. Quinn Snyder's in it for the long run. They would love to be able to make it work over the course of the next six weeks. But I think really this season for Quinn Snyder, and therefore the team, is about the long term. That's all the time that we have for the bonus episode of the Heat Check. Many thanks to our friend Bill Ryder. You can catch Bill every day from 10 to 12 on CBS Sports Radio on Ryder Than You and on Twitter at SportsRider, R-E-I-T-E-R. Thanks to my BetMGM Tonight co-host Nick Ashew and PJ Glasser and my producer Scott Lynn. Don't forget to watch that feed for past episodes and interviews as they drop throughout the week. And please follow us on social at, at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram as the NBA season heads towards the playoffs. Download, subscribe, tell you all your friends, every single one of them. And follow us on social, like I said, because the Heat Check never sleeps. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.